ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Growing Up Gay with your boys, Vaughn and Malik. Malik, friend, tell the people how you are, what you've been up to, what's popping, what's good. Catch me, baby, here I am. Hey. Malik Woo, I, I need an introduction, bitch. Malik Bernard. Bring up the, bitch, bring up the lights, come on the band. <laughs> <laughs> bring bring the girls out. <laughs> hey y'all. Um I've been well. I went um I've just been really well overall. I feel overjoyed and clear. The holiday season is definitely amongst us. You know, I'm one of those people I I love the holidays. I've been baking holiday cookies. You have. Um mm-hmm. and um I went to Michael's today. For you guys don't know this, but I am a very domestic type of bitch. You're also like, a host. I don't think people. You're you're like you are a good host. Like I am, I love to entertain. I yeah. just that's just like I that's just how I, I grew up that way. And so I went to um, Michael's today, and I also love crafting. I went to Michael's and they had these the most beautiful tin cans. And so I'm going to be giving away like some cookies and I'm going to be putting them in these really nice tin cans. They're like these tall cylinders. They're really beautiful and I can't wait for my for my friends and family to get them. Um, <clears throat> I mean, who doesn't love some baked goods that someone that really can actually bake really well made for you? Like That just makes you feel so good on the inside and then someone like, took the time to make something for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I've just been feeling the holiday spirit and you know Christmas is coming up. I've done some shopping, and you know I'm just enjoying this this time before the year's ending. I'm just resting, kind of taking it really easy. Friend, how are you feeling? What's going on with you? What's new? Uh, I'm good. I'm actually really good. Um, I've been in a very clear space. I've been very uh, focused on myself, and um, yeah, I went on a date, which was really fun. Um, yes. Which was like technically my first date date. Um, and that was interesting. I, I was going to like back out of it. Like I do everything else. <laughs> um, especially cause I didn't have a haircut or anything like that. I just, I was very busy and, uh, I went to the gym and like, you bow, you went without a haircut. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I got my haircut. Like anyone that knows me, I usually get my haircut every like seventh day. Um, but I went to the gym and then after the gym, I was so exhausted that I passed out. So I forgot to text my barber about getting a haircut. So by the time I woke up, it was like time for me, like started getting ready, start getting ready to go on the date. So it wasn't that it wasn't like I was two weeks out and I really, really needed one. I just, you know, I would have preferred to have one, but, uh, I went on the date. It was, Obviously. A, it was a great date. Um, much like you, I'm, I'm not, well, I'm not baking anybody cookies or anything like that, but I am feeling, uh. It's it's weird because as I, as I get older, especially because I don't live near family anymore, it's hard to feel like festive <laughs> or yeah. in, like the holiday spirit. Like usually, I'm usually at this time of year, I would have like my cousins coming over, or my I would be cooking with my mom, uh, preparing and stuff. But now that I live in New York by myself, I'm not doing any of that. Um, but I am still shopping, still spending money. <laughs> um, oh yeah, my nephews are definitely, that never changes, no matter where you are. My nephews are definitely getting their gifts. My mom's getting her gifts. My dad, um, and I'm buying some some stuff for for uh, some of the ladies that I work with that I'm like very close with. So I'm kind of in That's the sweet. yeah, I'm kind of in the holiday spirit. You know, not I'm you know I'm not 
Grinch, but I'm not necessarily Mariah either. Uh, so, <laughs> somewhere in between. Somewhere who, in between. Who's celebrating her 19th number one? 19th Shout out. number one single. Massive. 25 and they, and they years said, They said she would never do it again, but she did it. She did it. And she it looks it. like she's going to break the record and be the first artist, period, to have a number one single in four different decades. Four. Wow. Four. Right now, four she just, different decades. Right now, she just joined the list of Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Janet Jackson, Cher. Um, and I think that's it of uh, women to have singles in three different decades. Um, so she just joined that group of ladies as well. Um, and if she, if um, All Alone for Christmas stays number one over into 2020 then she'll be the first artist period which i'm sure it will because if you know anything about the industry that it's currently doing having what's called a freeze usually every third week of december the charts kind of freeze and stay the same until the second or third week of january so mariah could easily ride this out for another four or five weeks however this is the streaming age so god knows anybody can release anything tomorrow and it'd be number one so we'll see but so far so good. true so far so good Absolutely, yeah. I think she'll. I think she'll um, make it happen. I mean, payola and sympathy, right? Did you do that purposely? <laughs> she'll make it happen because you know that she'll is, make it happen. That is, that's one of my favorite Mariah Carey songs. So I, that was good. That was good. <laughs> that was good. Um, um, but let's go ahead, friend. Take us right on in to this week's Get It Together. Oh, we can make it happen. Damn, that, that's my shit. You know what? The other day, my best friend, he was like, he said, bitch, you don't got no rhythm. And, <laughs> and I was rapping. And he was like, bitch, you are awful. And I was like, damn it. And then when I just sang that Mariah Carey lyric, I was like, I know that shit sound bad. Damn. <laughs> I, I, know, I, it's okay. I know the rhythm was fucked up. It's okay. Anyway, moving higher in the program get it together this week um what has been really clear to me i i recently saw queen and slim and it was a movie that i thought was a great time for it to come out at the end of the year because of the fact that it addresses so many things that have happened over the last 10 years culturally and socially amongst black people police brutality Black people being more forward-thinking, Black people understanding our intersectionality, and I think that that movie just did, just just really good, just really did a great job at highlighting that. But also, it highlighted the understanding of forward motion and understanding that in order in order in order to progress, you have to move forward, and 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 there's nothing in the past for you because it's in the past. Like it's easier to reach forward than it is to reach behind you. Like mm. to reach behind you, you have to like pull your shoulder back. It's like really difficult. Try it. You're like, damn, that's your heart. And what I've been seeing in my life is like the desire and also the effort and the execution of moving forward. I've been able to manifest a lot of my a lot of really positive things this last month that I've just kind of just been keeping to myself, but I feel the effects. I feel the clearness, as you said earlier, Vaughn, about these things that I've been doing because of the fact that I've been moving forward in spite of the circumstance. So I think what might get it together is in order, in order to move forward, you do have to be accountable. Um, and that comes with 
forward motion. It's mm. like a railroad. As you pass through the tracks, you pass over these things and like accountability is a part of that. And so um, I just would challenge everyone as they're moving into the new year to get it together. It's continue to move forward. Continue to understand that there's nothing in the past for you. Past for you. Only thing there is is to continue to move and continue to go. I think um, Queen so eloquently displayed forward motion throughout the entire film, consistently reminding Slim that this officer doesn't mean that as soon as he gets us, he's going to arrest us. We got to keep going. There's nothing there for us. You know, um, forgiveness. I just thought that forgiveness is wrapped around forward motion. In order to forgive, you have to say, I love you in spite of. Um, and so all in all, this, you know, this year and next year, continue to move forward, continue to, um, weather your storm despite of your circumstance, because at the end you're like, damn, I'm happy that I kept moving. I'm happy I didn't give up. And the victory will be so much sweeter for you. Get it together. That was a great friend. I was trying not to be ignorant because every time you said order, I thought in that order, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and in that order, <laughs> in that uh, order. <laughs> uh, yeah, my get it together um, is kind of like I said earlier. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. I feel like uh, there are a lot of people that possess talents in so many different areas, and so many people that are good at so many different things, and. Uh, we find it very easy to be complacent, complacent in loneliness, complacent in, um, in, uh, in unfulfillment, complacent in, in, uh, lack of success, regardless of saying, or, you know, claiming to want more success, uh, complacent in just so many different things, regardless of, or despite you saying you want, you know, to not be in those spaces or in those things. And sometimes it can be heart wrenching. It can be a little, t- uh, you know, scary to put yourself out there in, in whatever respect, whether it's your talents, whether it's personally, whether it's, you know, a relationship or dating. And uh, sometimes you just have to let go. Like, kind of like you said, forward motion, uh, just keep moving yeah. forward and not continue to hold yourself back because that's really what we're doing a lot of the times is holding ourselves back and, and not allowing ourselves to reach our full potential because we don't know what that is. We don't know what that space feels like. And sometimes it can be easier and more comfortable to remain in, in a complacent yet redundant or uh, unfulfilled place because it's familiar. Um, so that's my get it together for this week. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Awesome. That, that, that literally goes hand in hand. Exactly what I was saying, like forward emotion yeah. and, and complacency resides with the pattern that we live with every day like it's it's so easy to want to go back to the past because we're used to that Mm -hmm. you know it's 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 so easy to move in 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 like in the familiarity of it it's like when you miss your boyfriend you say oh my god i miss him you don't miss him what you miss is how you felt Felt. you miss you know you miss navigating that that relationship because you knew it yeah. you were in it for so long and what's hard is forward motion yeah a lot of times you miss the it's feeling unknown. and not the person yeah or the place. you miss the feeling yeah that's why a lot of times people get back in relationships and they don't work <laughs> they don't work because that's not where you were supposed to be you know no no and then like you change absolutely you know absolutely you change absolutely. so absolutely 
But um, with that being said, we're going to take a quick little break and we'll be right back with y'all. What up, y'all? It's Vaughn. Hope you all are enjoying the episode thus far. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns in regard to the podcast, or you have a question, or if you need some advice in regard to something, please feel free to reach out to us at Vaughn at GrownUpGay.com, Malik at GrownUpGay.com, or GrownUpGay at gmail.com. If you have any questions in regard to those uh, addresses, please feel free to check the down bar below. Now let's get back to the episode. For this week's Growing Up Gay, uh, it is that time of the year when things are winding down. 2020 is whew, just around the corner. So we wanted to kind of do a wrap <laughs> it's up. It's here, baby. She's really, she's here. She's she's knocking on the door. Uh, and in right. true gay fashion, we're going to cross call it tens across the decade. It's instead of, you know, tens across the board, it's tens across the decade. So moments that define the 2010s for us, uh, we're going to do... Uh, think we're gonna touch on a few different uh, areas. We're gonna discuss culture, music, um, cinema and TV, social issues, and personally, we're gonna get uh, cover a lot of ground. But we're gonna try to not take up too much of your time. <laughs> um, we're gonna try, try, right? Uh, so first, we're gonna start with music, right? Because we both love music. As if you listen to this podcast, even on a somewhat consistent basis. I'm pretty sure you've heard us sing, whether that be to to your delight or not. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, whether that sounded a mess or not, bitch, right. you heard. <laughs> whether there was supposed to be some vibrato and there wasn't, or whether I was supposed to be up here and I was down here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so musically, we wanted to discuss music first. So one of the first things that I want to touch on, uh, moments that define the decade for me, is the embrace of Afrobeats, um, dance hall, reggaeton, and Latin trap in popular culture, in popular music, I should say. Um, I think we yes. saw such a massive rise of all of this, and as someone that is Jamaican, uh, someone that has kind of been listening to this sound for a very long time, it was really interesting to see it... Um, because, I mean, it's always been here, right? We had our Sean Pauls. We had our, you know, Lady Saw had her moment. Elephant Man had her, their moment back in the day. Um, Rihanna has been doing the sound forever. She's always incorporated in her music. Um, we've had Rude Boy be a number one single. We've had Sean Kingston had his little moment, you know. So we've had, like, bits and pieces of this sound. But it, it took it went to another level in the, the tens, um, especially starting around 2015. I want to say 2015, 16-ish, it really started to, to, to like, pop, pop. Um, and yeah. we saw we saw it kind of, like, bubble over with work, um, uh, with Drake. You know, he was a huge part of that with One Dance. And then, especially the incorporation of Afrobeats, I really wanted to touch on because that is something that I really didn't see happening, Afrobeats becoming as massive as it is. And I'm talking globally, not just... Yeah, like when I first heard it, I was like, oh, this is cute, but it's not going to catch on. And it and it's caught on globally. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I it, it's, it blows my mind. Yeah, absolutely. So that is going to be my number five, uh, the embrace of Afrobeats and dance hall and reggaeton. I mean, we even have Rosalia, who is a full Spanish speaking uh, Latin artist from like she's from Spain. And she's been able to have the success she had. She's had Maluma. um, 
J Balvin, like Bad Bunny, like just so many people. Cardi B even with I Like It Like That. Like that was a massive, massive record. So it's been good to see the cultural rise of these sounds and these uh, artists. So that's my number five. Awesome. I really love that. And I think that's awesome. My number five is going to be Nicki Minaj's Rise to Fame. Also, Female Raps Resurgence 2009 and Beyond. Um, We know Nicki Minaj, like she, this last decade, she has continued to rise and rise and get bigger and bigger. She's a phenomenon. You know, she's a, she's really iconic, the things that she's done this last 10 years and how she has just so much critical acclaim, but also just a lot of acclaim as far as her accolades, you know, records sold, awards she's awards that she's won, endorsements. Like when you go through her resume, it's like, damn, the girl's done her thing. And I think that this, you know, regardless of her her personality and, you know, the way she may act and carry herself, um, outside Here's what I say about about Nicki Minaj. I'm a I'm a little Kim fan through and through. Nicki Minaj would have been Nicki Minaj regardless if she would have stole Lil Kim style or not, in my opinion. Because the girl is just that talented. Right. So she's just that talented. She definitely got her buzz off of biting Kim. She got credibility off biting Kim. She got commercial appeal off biting Kim. But she pushed it further. And I have to respect her for that. Dope. Um and 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 I also respect just how she allowed a whole new generation of girls to come up. Just how Kim did when Kim came up. Right. And so I respect that and I think, you know, that that's definitely worthy. So that's my number five. Absolutely. Shout out to shout out to Nikki and the Barb's. Shout out to Nikki and all and all the girls. Shout out to, you know, Tierra Wack. Shout out to uh all of them. Absolutely. Um, my number four is gonna be the own uh, the focus on ownership of masters and the rise of independent acts and stepping away from major labels. Uh, I think in the t- no, I think in the tens we saw a massive movement away from major labels. Um, I think especially c- c- because a lot of major labels started to fold, uh, so there was like far less uh, competition and kind of these just giant umbrellas. Uh, you saw a lot of artists started to step away and you saw a lot of artists start to, to rise on their own without the help of, of major labels. Uh, Tory Lanez, uh, Megan Thee Stallion, uh, Wiz Khalifa. I mean, he's a little bit earlier than the 2010s, but he, you know, he's I'm, I'm incorporating him into this. Uh, Mac Miller, uh, the countless, like so many acts, even YouTube. I've seen even YouTube uh, artists like go on tours and do their own things. And there's like a, a cult base. of Taja Call. There's a cult base of artists that like through through SoundCloud and just independent uh, pushing. Like even Bry- Bryson Tiller kind of started all on his own, and then the labels kind of you know snatched him up. Um, but you know we saw a huge focus on the ownership of masters, whether it's Taylor Swift's whole debacle with her masters being bought out. Um, I think for me, honestly, the first time I ever even paid attention to to masters was uh, the first time I read an article about Rihanna acquiring her masters early in the tens. Um, and that was a huge, huge deal because she has 
arguably the most um, profitable masters of any act, you know, from her generation. Um, so that was like when I first started paying attention to it. Then after her, I remember reading about Jay-Z acquiring his master's. Um, and now a lot of artists have like, uh, <laughs> you know, cause the, you know, we do live in a world of perception. A lot of artists have like signed new deals and they put out these articles like, Oh my God, I, I, now I own my master's. And it's like, yes, you own everything now, but you still don't own from the beginning. And it's like, not that it matters. Cause I, I mean, it does matter because you want to own everything, but if at some point, if you own anything, that's, you know, equally as dope. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that's my number, my number four, the, the choir, the acquiring of their masters and just the rise of independent acts kind of showing that labels aren't a necessity like they were in the nineties and in the two, you know, the early thousands. Okay. So my next one is going to be surprise releases and Friday now being dropped on, and, and now music being dropped on Fridays because of Beyonce. Um, and it's funny because now it's a Thursday. They moved, they changed it to Now Thursday. it's a Thursday? Yeah. Mm. Um, and I just think it's just really amazing how now the way that we consume music is different. The way that we promote music is different um, <clears throat> because of that. And... I mean, immediately after, we just begin to see just a pivot in the way that labels and the way their artists conceptualize their music and also wanted to send it to consumers. And I think that um, all great artists want to be pioneers like that. And so I think that that was something that happened, you know, towards the the middle of the decade, but then, you know, really just ch- changed the way that we continue to move and, and consume music past weeks so that's my number fizzle absolutely uh self-titled had a massive uh impact on how labels and artists approached um the releasing of music some for the good (laughs) unfortunately some for the bad because not everybody can pull a beyonce um but it definitely had a massive massive impact on on the industry um my number three is going to be one you touched on already um you focused on the rise of Nicki minaj Uh, I wanted to focus on the rise of Cardi B and female rap. Um, Well, mine is the focus on the rise on female rap with, uh, you know, focus given to Nicki Minaj and Megan Thee Stallion. Um, Much like you said earlier, Nicki kind of uh, woke up what was a sleeping beast, if you will, that is female rap. And we've been able to see so much come from that. And then we saw Cardi and I think Cardi kind of relit a flame that Nicki... already had burning or i should say she intensified a flame that nikki already had burning uh cardi really showed labels that you could be young and fresh and you could be fearless and you could kind of be unpolished and and still be profitable and still be um successful in the world of female rap and still be crossover and commercial she's gone from the girl that was on instagram um you know looking raggedy and crazy but making us laugh you know a hoe never gets cold (laughs) she 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 told us (laughs) to like now being a grammy award winning number one single number one album having uh you know vogue magazine cover you know gracing starlet and like from her we've gotten megan the stallion we've gotten the city girls we've gotten sweetie we've gotten um renny rucci we've gotten so like like you said tiara whack we've gotten uh cupcake like just so many there's a multitude a multitude of 
um, you know, young me. Like, there's so many female artists that are out here doing it now, and it's been amazing to um, witness and be a part of. And if anybody saw my 2019 wrap up that I posted from Apple Music, like eight of the top 10 songs were from female artists. So it's been a female rap artist, I should specify. Uh, so absolutely, the rise of female rap has been beautiful to watch. It's also been a yep. little bit messy, but that's a part of life. <laughs> yep, it is a part of life. And honestly, like like rap is it's a sport, you know, so it has to be messed. There has to be controversy. And like, like we were saying last week, if they're not talking about you, then do you even matter? True. Um, My number three is going to be the whole Kesha and Dr. Luke controversy that happened. Mm. I think that that was so, that was so polarizing. And, you know, it... The way Kesha came out on top and the way she's come out and she's been free and she's been honest and she's been truth she she's been truthful about addiction, about what she went through and you know, um that hand in hand with the whole Me Too thing. I just think that it was a really defining moment to say, Hey, hey, listen, artists, maybe you don't want to get wrapped up with the wrong hands just to become a star. Not saying that's what Kesha did, but you know, every person that works with you may not be the right person. The same thing, you know, this this goes hand in hand with the whole R. Kelly thing. Um, there's some people that are just so eager to wanna to work with you and to wanna to be a star and they are master manipulators. They are sick people. And so I think I think that the way Kesha has come on top um and been able to tour and been able to be awarded and, you know, still be commercial and get her voice back at the end of the day is really transcendent. And I think kinda goes hand in hand with the whole like masters things, you know, artists kinda owning mm-hmm. themselves again and stepping back up. Yeah, definitely. She did, I, I I tweeted this um during Taylor Swift's AMA performance. Um, I feel like Kesha had the the tragic story that Taylor Swift was trying to sell us that she had. Yes. And it was really ironic because they performed one right after the other. And it was like, here's this projected, uh, woe is me, uh, you know, crying wolf version of what someone actually lived. Someone that was yeah. actually, you know, harmed mentally and physically and emotionally by, by the industry and taken advantage of. And then there's like Taylor mm-hmm. Swift, you know, trying to sell the same story. But yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, my number two, numero dos, is R&B, the reign of R&B. And by R&B, I mean Rihanna and Beyonce. Um, <laughs> we've watched a multitude of artists, uh, female artists, I should specify, come up with these ladies. You have Beyonce coming up with the Beyonce, uh, the Beyonce, well, Beyonce's, the Britney's. Uh, Christina's Pink's and you know Pink still has a phenomenal career not def- definitely not you know playing her at all if you look at Pink's stats and her numbers she's actually doing better than the majority of the girls like her touring numbers are insane however um, Beyonce to specify for that era has remained a a hot figure she's on our tongues she's culturally relevant she's sonically relevant she's just been able to maintain through um <laughs> I hate myself sometimes because I said maintain. I thought of Dream Girls. I'm not feeling well. I've got pain. I got pain. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Y'all. Listen, you can always do a Dream Girls reference. It's never, it's never a bad time for a Dream Girls reference, and it's Christmas time. Right. Um, 
But yeah, Beyonce has been able to 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 you know she's had children, she's married, she's you know revamped her image and her sound. She shared personal size. She's she's done a lot, and she's just been able to stay relevant even in this new um, era and these new decades. And she's been able to like continue to make strides with this Coachella, um, you know the 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 um, Lemonade album, the Beyonce album, just everything she's been able to do, she's been able to be, be impactful. And then there's Rihanna who came up with the Sierras. Oh, I wasn't done. I was, I'm sorry, Beyonce. She continues to move the culture forward. She continues to stand for what's right. Sir, even when others say it's wrong, is this? She is the end all and the be all. Thank you. Now back to Rihanna. Okay. Um, so yeah, you have <laughs> Rihanna coming up with the Sierras, um, you know Taylor Swifts, uh, like that whole after generation. You Taylor, Carrie Hilsons, you know just that that you know the after generation, the the ones that were to follow up, and the majority of the Lady Gaga, you know the major and the majority of them have fizzled off. I mean, Lady Gaga still has a successful career. There's no doubting that. But they haven't managed to stay relevant and they haven't managed to really shift and change culture the way that Rihanna has. They haven't managed to to create new foundation. Like Rihanna is the literal ear of pop culture. Everything that these new girls coming up are, are doing is mirrored after what she has done in, in some way, whether it's, whether it's aesthetically, whether it's sonically, whether it's visually, whether it's uh, performance wise, even like there's a lot of, of Rihanna in these new girls. And it's crazy because... I remember when Rihanna was the new girl and like no one really talking about her or giving her her props or her praise. And she really had to fight for it. And it's funny because like nowadays, like even the, the controversy that Lizzo was going through recently, you know, everyone because, you know, culture has changed and we are definitely more aware um, as a generation. Um, but people are so like soft and you know it's so delicate delicate when it comes to you know how we treat pop stars these days and it was like i remember when rihanna was going through the trenches and receiving it from all ends you know being called a whore and a slut and she was getting slut shamed and everything she wore was this and that and for her to come out on top of this era you know the the you know she's like the best-selling digital artist of all time she has the most number ones of her of her uh, era, she's the like the best-selling digital artist. She has Fancy Beauty. She has Savage X Fancy. Like she's become this businesswoman and this powerhouse and this fashion icon and just this staple and this figure in the world of pop culture and 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 music. So it's just been amazing to watch two black women, Rihanna and Beyonce, really run this shit and um, not let up. So that's my I number agree. two. I agree. I think what's really interesting is that I was watching um, some some clips of MTV's Making the Band. This was like, I, I think it was 05. I think that was the first mm-hmm. year it came out. Um, and I was just looking at how raw reality TV was. Yes. And then I thought about how raw just media and reporting was. And exactly what you're saying, Vaughn, they would disrespect, call them whores, bitches, like all type of things online and in press. And now it's like, it's it's a slap on the wrist compared to how it was then. Right. Um. So yeah, I agree. Like Diddy was saying some vile shit on that show. He was. <laughs> like he that shit cannot go down was. these days. Like he it cannot go down. Yeah. Um. My number four is this tonal 
this tonality and, and vibe change that's kind of happening in modern R&B, well, contemporary R&B right now, well, that is modern R&B. I'm talking about mm. the new sounds that we have with people like SZA, people like um, her, just how the sound has kind of been a lot more um, throwback you know, how they're really inspired by the 90s, but they're still bringing something that's, that's still very fresh and current mm-hmm. that people really like, and that's very new age and almost like alternative. Like, I'm not sure. There's a, there's a song that Jasmine Sullivan did with, um, oh, shit. She's like, I'm not sure if I'm I'm not sure if you know what you want, but I'm but I'm sure that I'm what you need. I'm what you need. Anyway, um, there are a lot of songs like that. Why you wasting your time? Why you wasting your time? Why you? Listen, if y'all know this song, y'all please DM me and say I love that song and that's it. I know you're talking about when Licky's on a mess. Stop. Anyway, but. But people like SZA, people like her, people like uh, Summer Walker, and um, you know all these new girls in R and B. I think much like female rap, we do see this resurgence of um, a lot, a lot of strong girls in R and B that have a very specific yeah. point of view. Can't forget Ari Lennox. Absolutely, um, yeah. And you know, I I like that these new girls are really like setting the stage. You know, and and they're and it's personal to them. It's not like I feel like it's it's special. Yeah, it's special. especially because I feel like there's such there's been such a focus on writing, um, mm-hmm. and, and yes, and experiences. Right. Like just, we don't necessarily we don't necessarily focus that much on vocal, but there's there's definitely been a focus on uh like the art being genuine to who these artists are. That's that's why yeah. Uh, even um, a seat at the table coming at the time that it did uh control coming at the time that it did the hers project coming at the time that the, these these albums summer walker's uh, album uh um sh- shit ari lennox all of those albums are are very like they're not very like well produced not in the production sense but in the creation sense like i felt like the the r&b that we used to get was very well produced it was very well put together but it wasn't necessarily authentic or true to who the artists were um especially because we came from the the time of the 90s where labels and brands kind of put these people together and created everything and then pushed it to us where we now come from a, a a a time where like these artists create these projects themselves most of them uh, do it very like gorilla and then they upload to SoundCloud and then all of a sudden they're like a superstar. Uh, so it's very genuine and very true to them. So that's a good, that's a great point. It's a great point. Um, my number one, the, the, I think the, the most impactful thing that has happened for our, for the tens decade um, is streaming. The way music yeah. uh, is consumed has completely changed. Uh, the music industry, we, we saw the, the, we literally got to see it go from cassettes to CDs and to CDs being massive, right? And having such a huge effect on album sales because now everyone could have their own album and their own CD player. It was no longer something that like a record or a cassette that kind of had to be shared. Uh, there were these portable Walkmans and like we saw it go from that to MP3s and went Napster. And then we saw 
like it ringtones and then we saw it go from there and it was kind of like where it what it was kind of like what is next right and then it came streaming and it's taken over how we consume basically everything how we consume you know uh media in general and it's just had such a massive massive effect on the music industry from the way albums are counted to way to the way uh sales are reported it's just it's without question the most prominent thing that has happened to music in the tens so that's my number one streaming um my numero uno when it comes to musicality for the decade is gonna be the rise of trap music what we saw coming out of east atlanta where i am proudly from i think is historic um and you know it really stems from you know, crunk music, which stems from, you know, ATL, Juke, you know, just... It, it, can, I all interject, this, like, this can I interject really quickly? Yeah. You're sure, making yes. A, you, no, you're making a brilliant point. I want to focus on... Because Trap has been around since before. I don't want anyone to get cute and be like, Trap has been around, T.I. been doing Trap. Like, I, he, oh, Malik yeah. is focusing on Trap going pop, as in Trap going from something that was just for rap and for the urban black community, I'm going to specify not just the black community, but for the, like the the urban American black community to being something that is global and pop. Go ahead. Thank you, friend. I appreciate that. That was our legal disclaimer from Vaughn. <laughs> um, but yeah, so trap music has just you know just just blown up globally. I mean, look at Gucci Mane. I mean, he's now. A face of Gucci. Mm-hmm. I went in the Fitz Plaza store the other day, and there is a big on the wall at the Gucci store. This huge picture of Gucci Mane at the Gucci store, and you know, pop, pop trap music has become so globally inspired that it is pop now. And when you look at these these Caribbean artists and these Latina artists, they're rapping to trap melodies. They're their flows, their productions, it's all trap inspired. And that is just honestly the power of the hustle. That's just the power of the streets. That's just the power of of people like Zaytoven, people like Polo Don, OJ Juice Man, Gucci Man, um, Migos, all these amazing people that that really helped cultivate a sound and push it forward. TI, there are many people that we can name. But I think I think just just the rise of trap music and how it's been truly integrated into our society, um, especially in you know how it's consumed at a massive rate in, in white spaces too. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so we're gonna move on from music because we've been focusing on her for a minute. Uh, so culturally, we want to discuss things that have been act- impacting our culture um specifically for the tens decade i'm gonna start off with uh something that we're actually doing right now uh my number five is the rise of podcasting um I yes think, <laughs> much like everything else uh the way media is consumed and is presented has changed so much over the past few years we saw it go from um like entertainment reporting right that was very big. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, BT even had. Do you remember when Melissa Ford was on that show? That was kind of like uh, BT's version of E. You know how E has their. Yes, yeah, I do remember? remember that show. Yeah, it was like what was it called? I forgot what I it was called. I don't remember. But yeah, it was, anyway. it was. It was 
came and went. Yeah, like they, they they did pop culture stuff and they would do fashion, you know, here and there. Anyway, we saw it go from like entertainment reporting and ET and extra, and that was the and E, and that was the way everything was consumed. And then, well, I'm sorry, first it was magazines. Um, and then it was entertainment reporting, and then it was blogging, and blogging was massive because it was the first time that it gave uh, control to, like, everyday people, if you will, and it was able to, like, employ everyday people and and make these powerhouses. Um, And then we saw it switching to to visual, right? We saw YouTubers were, were reporting a lot on what was going on in pop culture and news, and then there came podcasting. And podcasting kind of opened it up to where it didn't have to just be a focus on pop culture and news. There's been focus on health, on on mental wellness, on um, everything. Like there's podcasts for literally everything, for mothers, for uh, rap, for sports, for medicine. Like for ev- there's a podcast for literally everything. And it was uh, it's been amazing to watch it happen. I'm really gonna shout out XD. Um, I feel like XD doesn't get a lot of the credit he deserves for like the things that he helps to pop. I remember when XD had a, it started out as a radio show, um, that he would do. And this is, I mean, no, Malik and I also had a radio show back in like 2010. Like shout out to also, yeah. uh, Brooke and Gia. Cause Brooke and Gia had a radio show. If you know who Brooke and Gia are, then you know, you know, you know, Miss Gia, you know, Brooke and the city. Our radio show was so um, messy. Yeah. Their show was really good. It was on, um, Fuck, what was it called? It was like B something radio. Anyway, there was a, there was a, first it was uh, like these radio, talk radio, uh, internet shows. And then XD, I remember. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio was one of them. Um, and then XD yep. had his own uh, internet radio show. And then he started a podcast. And then a lot of, uh, we saw a rise, a rise of, of like other podcasts. I remember listening to Joe Budden's podcast from the beginning when Marissa Mendez really put him on and, and, and started his podcast for him from uh, Fury and Crystal from when they first started. And they were, you know, Fury was more popular on YouTube and, and Crystal was popular for her tweets and for her streams And like all these other podcasts have, I remember, uh, Hey Fran, Hey, uh, the Friend Zone podcast. I remember I was following Fran on YouTube and on Tumblr. Um, and just the way that these com- these people have been able to, to turn these podcasts into these empires and grow and we've been able to gain so much information and learn so many new things from these people and from a myriad of other people because there's so many. Uh, but yeah, podcasting, the rise of podcasting is, is my number five. I think it was massive. Wow. Um, I'm going to say my number five. Well, first thing first, the rise of podcasting, I completely agree. I think podcasting has given people just how you said, regular people a voice and we were able to consume so um so much i think it's been just uh a time where people are able to be even more creative but i also think some people just do not need to be behind a motherfucking microphone bitch <laughs> so of course we'll take the good with the bad um my number five is gonna is, is gonna be the impact of beyonce's formation i think it came at a time where we were you know black lives matter She's up there at the Super Bowl. Um, and then we have Colin Kaepernick after that. Or was that before that? It Cap was, was it after. Was, it was, uh, no, it was after. Beyonce was after Cap. Beyonce was after Cap? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, 
all of that just, I thought was just very strong with just continuing to, to get people to talk about it outside of, you know, outside of the water cooler. Like people were talking about that moment. It was very polarizing for just America. Like people were saying, boycott Beyonce, this and that. You know, Beyonce hates the police. Like the police chief, you know, was sending her record label demands and, you know, the president was speaking out. Just all these things were just happening. I just think that um, more artists should really put their platform where their mouth is. Like when it's time to really speak up for something, you know, put it in your music, you know, create really move people. And I think, um, you know, she continues to do that with her music, with how iconic the video was, with showing how powerful and how beautiful Black people are. Um, and so that is my number five. Aw, too bad Jay-Z ruined all that with his NFL deal. Anyway, number four. Oh, the mental health movement. Uh, my number four is the mental health the mental health movement. I, <laughs> I <love> <laughs> <laughs> you know you know it's still lingering, right, bitch? <laughs> I want to jump through the motherfucker. <laughs> uh, my number four is going to be the 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 rise of the mental health movement. Uh, the way we as a community, especially the black community, has focused on therapy, has uh you know given more more light to anxiety to depression, to uh, just all types of mental illness and just taking it more seriously and are having the discussions, are speaking to their family about it, are, you know, sharing it with the public and just really taking it seriously. I love, uh, you know, I love the way it's become prominent in our community because, you know, like Solange said, sometimes it's like cranes in the sky, you know, <laughs> you don't know why. So, yeah. That's it. That's it. So that's my number four, the rise of the mental health movement. Yeah, I think that's awesome. We have apps like Talkspace, apps like Calm. So, you know, it's it's everywhere. You know, shit. I'm doing free meditation on Instagram, so you better get your you better get your mind together. Right. Um, my number four is gonna be Black Lives Matter. I think um, at a time where we need Black unity, but also more than Black unity, we need Black leadership. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, it's created this. Focus on grassroots organizations and grassroots organizing, um, especially amongst Black youth. And that's who's driving these initiatives. You know, that's who's continuing to keep the word out about the injustices that we that people of color fake face. And, you know, unfortunately, after the media is done sensationalizing it for seven days, it's, it's over. Mm. People forget. But Black Lives Matter, the people that are organizing, the people that dedicate their lives and their time, they continue to keep the fight going. And I think, um, you know, shout out to D-Ray, you know, for continuing to keep the fight going and by empowering other people to step up and to say, no, the work has to be done and I'm here to do it. And um, it doesn't go unnoticed. So definitely Black Lives Matter. Mm, And every other Um, social coalition that has sprung from the heels and from the hard work of Black Lives Matters as well. My number three um, is going to be Fenty Beauty and uh, Rihanna's continued focus on inclusion. Um, With Savage X Fenty, we've seen her really turn the the beauty industry on its head with Fenty Beauty uh, because she came out the gate like, you know, 
there's more than just three warm colors. Um, you know, black women come with a multitude of undertones. I'll be very honest. Um, I've been watching makeup tutorials on YouTube since like 2010. I don't wear makeup. I just think it's very relaxing for whatever reason to watch, you know, pretty women put on makeup and talk about their skin and the products that they're using. And it, I think I'll be very honest. The first time I ever heard anyone focus specifically on undertones was Rihanna uh, with mm-hmm. Fenty Beauty because it is such a truth true thing because black people are a literal (laughs) literal fucking array of every you know we go from mariah carey to jaiman hansu and even in the jaiman hansu side of things there's jaiman hansu with orange with you know red orange undertones there's jaiman hansu with blue purple undertones there's giant uh, there's jaiman hansu with you know olive undertones same way there's mariah carey but there's mariah carey with gold undertones there's mariah carey with olive undertones there's mariah carey with uh you know reddish brown undertone like there's so much focus there's i mean there's so much variety when it comes to black people so it was beautiful to see her focus on that with fancy beauty and give dark skin brown skin caramel complexed light skin red bone all types of black women black people black men black femme you know femme aligned people you know makeup that they could wear um and then same thing with with uh, savage by fenty the way that she's literally been able to <laughs> to grab victoria's secret by their hem and throw them to the left <laughs> and, and bitch and, put them holes out of business right and include trans women include you know all body sizes and i'll be very honest when savage by fenty first law uh, launched i was kind of like is this necessary like do we really need <laughs> this or like another lingerie company um and and there was a like a, a, a slight uh there was always a focus on inclusion but there's definitely there, there's, it's been able i've been able to watch them kind of get it because when they first came out it was like it was inclusive but it was inclusive um on like a linear scale like it was like inclusive but in a in a not safe because i don't think they were aiming for safe i, I think it was inclusive in a unconventional yet still very comfortable way and i've been able to watch them push and continue to push and continue to push push uh the the boundaries and and include literally everyone from disabled people to older people to trans people to you know obese people fat people Mm -hmm. slim people athletic people like there's everybody (laughs) and um that's just been amazing to watch so that's my number three I agree. I love Savage Fenty. I'm just really waiting for Rihanna to go ahead and send me some pieces so I can do some yoga editing, you know. That that should be her next move. Athletics. Do it. Athletics. Yeah. You know, but you know, athletics. I, I, I think she needs to do that next. Yeah. Um all right, so my my next one's gonna be Kanye West. Um Ooh, rest in peace. Rest in peace. <laughs> I mean, this is the same man who got up on stage and told uh, Taylor Swift that Beyonce had the best the best video of all time, and then he died shortly after that. And Bless that's and that was not and that was not a lie. Bless his heart. Let's not forget that was not a lie. Okay, I do believe in redemption. <laughs> let me okay. Let me stop. Let me stop playing. But no, for real. You know, we were talking about last week. This man revived the Kardashians. This man gave them another chance. Not only did he revive the Kardashians, but this man has given us Yeezy, which I love but cannot afford. 
he has continued to innovate athleisure and as as shapeless and lifeless as it is i feel like he has made it a little interesting um with his take on it and i appreciate that and 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 i have to respect kanye's demand and his audacity that he's had to step to reebok and to step to nike and say listen you motherfuckers not gonna keep trying me like i'm not a genius whether it is arrogant or not i do think that as black people there is a certain level of doubt that is put on us from birth especially when it comes to white corporate consumption and i think the way kanye has positioned himself from a business perspective of being able to stay relevant and to demand respect and to be able to still get his brand out there when other magazines said no this isn't right you know the way he's been able to monetize his wife's brand and her image through Yeezy campaigns um, and making her relevant in that way, I think is ingenious. Um, and for that, I think, I mean, you know, he he has helped rule the last decade. From the grave. Anyway, my number two is going to be Trayvon Martin's murder um, and George oh. Zimmerman getting off. Um, And I actually want to focus a little bit more on the Zimmerman getting off part of it. Um, I really don't want to discuss this too much because it's disgusting. Um, Yeah, it's, yeah. But this was important for us culturally because that happening coupled with uh, just the state the country was in politically or has been in politically since, I think has woken up a lot of people and has uh, let a lot of people realize that just because we had a black president at the time doesn't mean that that much has changed. Um, you know, we aren't that removed from, you know, Jim Crow and uh, the segregation era. So it, it, it was just a reminder of how evil uh, a, a lot of people are and just how uh, fragile the white community still is. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I don't want to spend too much time on that, but I definitely think uh, Trayvon's murder and Zimmerman getting off were massively uh, important to our culture in the tens. Agreed. Agreed. Um, it definitely changed the way that we protect each other, the way we see each other. And I think it has like created a, a new a new resurgence of protecting our own. So I agree with that. Um, my next is going to be The Breakfast Club. Um, mm. th- they are the number one urban media show in the world. We consume, um, black people consume, just people, period, consume so much information from what they say, good, bad, or indifferent. And they give people massive platforms to tell their stories and to promote their things. And I think that the Breakfast Club has done a good job at getting black people informed when it comes to politics, having, um, you know, some of the most influential politicians of the show to get to get them out to vote, to register for vote and to talk about why these issues are important and how them not voting, how it can negatively affect their life, especially when it comes to issues that Black Lives Matters were created to combat police brutality, mass incarceration, um, the war on drugs, um, you know, so, so many things that I think uh, the Breakfast Club has done positively 
to inform people about and to get people talking about it as a community. Unfortunately, with the good, there's also bad. Most Ooh, of the audience so Ooh, that so the Breakfast Club targets and caters to is 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 it has a very ignorant base, and I think they've done a great job at continuing to perpetuate propaganda, especially propaganda around queer people. And I think there has been just a disservice because I don't feel that the host generally have a true conviction and an interest to want to spread the right information to want to be on the right side of history. I don't think there is that desire. And so because I don't think there is that desire, that's that's why I think so many people have been petrified about going and about the experiences and, and, and also about the stories that they have allowed to come out that they knew were harmful, that they used to continue to personify um, misinformation about about the community that, that I so love, most recently with Flam Monroe. Obviously, I think everyone deserves to have a platform um, to, to tell their story because the community is not a monolith. But overall, I think The Breakfast Club is polarizing wherever you are on the spectrum, wherever your view is. And But I think you know there's been good and there's been bad with that show. Great. Um, my number one is going to be the rise of social media and how we've been able to monetize it. Um, it's been amazing to, like I, like I spoke on earlier, watch people build these multi-million dollar foundations and companies and brands, uh, thanks to social media, whether it be YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, um, like we saw Cardi B come from Instagram. She was just a stripper who was, you know, using her, her Instagram to kind of like just, be free and, and tell stories and joke around or it be, you know, people like Patricia Bright or Jackie Ina who have, you know, turned YouTube in these into these multi, you know, million dollar brands for themselves. Um, or it be like we said, Crystal and, and Kid Fury or Issa Rae who turned went from YouTube to now being a bona fide star who has, you know, her hit show, you know, on HBO and then she has her movie coming out and just the monetization of social media and the rise of social media, especially for people of color, has been amazing. So that's my number one most impactful thing for the decade culturally. Awesome. Um, my last one was a tie, but I'm going to go with marriage equality. Mm, um, okay, nice. I think that we had a historic first time, pre- a first time black president, President Barack Obama, and then we had him pass groundbreaking iconic legislation um and so i think that that was really amazing and you know i'm happy that i finally have the right to marry who i love because we we know that marriage is so much deeper than just loving someone marriage is a business marriage is a business itself it's a it's a whole thing and so people were fighting for the right to have a good quality of life and i think that we all deserve that you know, quality of life for all. We all should have um, an equal opportunity to not only love our person equally, but be able to do business with them, be able to file our taxes together, be able to, you know, um, just be able to move. um, Be able to love and live. Within the institution of marriage. So marriage equality is my numerate, you know, 
That was a good one. I did, I'm surprised I didn't think of that one. Um, yeah. That was a good one, friend. Good one, good one. Uh, we're going to move on to cinematically and television. These are what we feel are our five most, um, you know, popping moments of the, the tens. So my number yeah. five is going to be the rise of queer scripted and reality shows on YouTube uh, and private streaming companies such as Slay TV. Um, I really wanted to focus on this because obviously growing up gay, we are a queer show, a gay show. <laughs> um, but being a young gay uh, man or a boy, I should say, I didn't have uh, TV shows, movies or anything to kind of turn to in, in regard to my sexuality, in regard to dating, in regard to love or, you know, what life would be like when I get older. Uh, so it's been beautiful to see shows um, start on YouTube and now even with Netflix, you have like their, and, and, and not just Netflix, with Hulu, they all have these LGBT focused sections. Uh, I mentioned Slay TV. They do a lot of really great work uh, with producing scripted shows. And uh, I believe they also have some reality content, or they used to at least. I'm not sure if they still do, honestly. Um, but it's just been amazing to watch uh, the rise of, of those, whether it's something messy like Chasing Atlanta, you know, mm. or, or something... Um, or like the the movies, uh, Love Simon. Um, yeah. Uh, fuck. Uh, there's another one that I don't want to mention because it's already on my list. But uh, yeah, that's that's my number five. Um. Well, you and I had a very similar one. Mine was Pose, but I think there's yes! been so many. Um, oh my god! Um, I'm so glad um, you mentioned it. Yes. Amazing, amazing. Just like you said, queer media. I think at its best. Yeah. You know, special shout oh, out. Yes, I'm so happy. You special shout out to just you know Lee Daniels. Yeah. Lee Daniels does not get enough props. Lee Daniels put two black gay men on TV and had them have a love scene and kissing scenes on main TV. We're talking yeah. about Fox. Oh, friend, come and, through. You did this, and and I think that that groundbreaking friend you were just talking about not having references not having imagery when you were young and i think yeah. that you know people like lee daniels i have to respect because when you do that you put your career on the line yeah. um when you fight for those scenes when you fight for those moments because you may never have them again and so i respect him because when i saw that i cried i sat on myself and i cried so yeah, and it's what's crazy is Jesse Smollett, he he reposted my video that I posted. That was such a legendary night um for for black gay men. I think it was a win for queer history. Um we had him put Amaya Scott on TV. Yeah. We had him put Miss Lawrence on TV. Just just an array of beautiful people that I think generally would have not had the opportunity to act. And um, I'm proud of that. And so yes, definitely all of, um, you know, Ryan Murphy, all of the queer cinema, queer creatives that, that are out here doing their thing. Absolutely. Yes. I'm so, I'm really happy you mentioned Pose because I'll be very honest. I, I didn't put it on my list. Uh, had a lapse in judgment, I'm guessing. I, I honestly don't remember. But Pose deserves so much love and so much respect because it's opened up so much and shown a, a different side of the community, even to the gay community. It's, it's really allowed us to, to, to get a, a peek inside of the ballroom uh, world because just because you're gay doesn't mean you know everything about a wall. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, my number four, I kind of spoke on already, uh, but Issa Rae. Um, watching her go from Awkward Black Girl on YouTube and, and making these shows so guerrilla style 
you know, with no budget, doing everything herself, writing these scripts, you know, shooting it, editing it, uh, working with her literal friends and her co-workers and, and, and creating um, what is now a, a, a company. She has her own uh, company. She just opened, started a record label, uh, Radio Records. And just seeing her go from YouTube and Awkward Black Girl into the, the gorgeous, you know, you know, figure that she is in the world of Hollywood... Uh, to sit alongside your your uh, Shonda Rhimes and your Ava DuVernay's and just be, you know, Lena Waits, just a creator and be respected and put out a successful show like Insecure. And now she has this movie that's a romantic uh, dramedy, if you will, coming up uh, around Valentine's Day. Just Issa Rae and the Rise of Insecure. That's my number four. That rhyme. Love it. Love it. My next one's gonna be the Real Housewives of Atlanta franchise, um, which is the number one Housewives franchise for a very specific reason. Kiss the ring, bitch. Although that I think kind of trash. I think, um, I think that the ladies of Atlanta are number one because they're the realest, because they keep the shit going, because you know, and, and it. They're funny as hell, and they really have interesting, nuanced lives. They truly do. I think we're looking at a cast of black women that not only are they well off for their standards, but they also take care of their they also take care of their families, and they and, and they do and they wear so many hats. And so I really love the fact that you know we you know bitch we have who gonna check me boo? We had um, Nene. We have, I said what I said. Just so many iconic moments. I said what I said. <laughs> you know, Housewives has just given us so many iconic moments and continues to usher in new franchises off the backs of Atlanta. Yeah. So, um, Housewives of Atlanta. Uh, my number three is going to be Moonlight. Ooh, good um, one. Yeah, I really want to touch on Moonlight because I felt like it was the first time the black community specifically focused on on uh, gay men that didn't look like a caricature or a stereotype. Um, nothing, not that there is anything wrong with our femme, you know, presenting, uh, you know, flamboyant men. We love y'all, you know. There's space and opportunity for you all as well. Um, but I think it Moonlight really showed a different side of of uh, our community it showed the 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 side that i think a lot of people and and it, and it did it not in a malicious way because it, there was no dl going goings on like it wasn't any it wasn't salacious it was genuine it was kind of murky and 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 not clear um but it was it was still very raw and it was it just showed a lot of people that like queer love doesn't always look like or queer people don't always look, feel, sound, act, or present like you think they they will. And um, regardless of whatever that presentation is, that that person still you know requires love, and that person still yearns for a connection and uh, and and just in love in, in in a real way. So it was a brilliant movie, so well shot. It you know of course we know it won Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Um, just it was it was a moment. Undoubtedly yeah. a moment. Yeah. It was a moment. I mean, people talked about how polarizing that movie was when I saw it. I got emotional. 
Um, I think to your point, it, it, it really just showed how nuanced people are Absolutely. and, you know, and we, we wear so many different hats again. So, um, Moonlight for sure. My next one is going to be the Scandal Shonda Shonda Rhimes Phenomenon. Ooh, that's my number two. So we can just do these all together. Yeah. Um, I mean, Scandal and Carrie how Washington. And murder. Oh, Carrie yes. Washington. Let's talk about how every black actress in Hollywood was up for that role yeah. and how it was made for Carrie Washington. I think that. When you when you talk about just how your steps are ordered, like that role could have not done it what it did if it was if it was not for the great writers and the great producers, and also Carrie's just Carrie's just amazing her spin on um, Olivia's personality, you know, just the way she spoke, her demeanor, her mm-hmm. tone, you know, yeah. all the things was just perfect that Carrie had. Lips, a, you know, Carrie had a, right the quivering lip like. Gabrielle could not quiver that lip. Y'all seen um, <laughs> y'all seen American Son. That quiver in her lip is natural. So, um, Scandal is was a show that I watched from beginning to end. And I I'm sad that it's gone, but you know, and Shonda's yeah. TJIT is was yeah. is legendary. And that that's my number two. I really wanted to pay homage to Shonda Rhimes and TJIT. Uh, the fact that a black woman controls a night of major network television is something that is unprecedented. Like Absolutely. what she was able to do to literally take control of a night of television. Insane. And the fact that she's been able to, to build the Shondaland empire and still has Grey's anatomy and still has how to get away with murder and all these other things that she's doing. Like so much respect needs to be put on that woman's name. So much respect. Yep. So, so Agreed. much respect. And, you know, like you mentioned, Kerry Washington, Jamaican queen, you know, like, <sighs> my people, you know, yep. amazing things. So, yeah. Shout out to Shonda Rhimes, uh, How to Get Away with Murder, um, Kerry Washington, and Viola Davis. Oop. Okay, so my last one, because um, we ended up. Kind of, I put the Holy Daniels together with Pose. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be Queen and Slim. Now, to me, that movie obviously has had like a really big effect on me just because of where I am personally in my life. With being very clear, I'm being about I'm just being about forward motion and just kind of just seeing seeing a lot of the parallels in my life <clears throat> depicted in that film and a lot of the themes that were literally about forward motion from the very beginning of the movie. They talked about. Excuse me. As soon as the first gunshot went off and when the officer was dead, there was an immediate shift in the movie. It was about not looking back. The first thing um, Queen said, don't look back. There's nothing there for us. And I think that theme was echoed within every interaction Mm -hmm. um, with the uncle having to... You know, with the uncle having to go ahead and give her the money and put her up in the house and just take care of things, you know, with her having to hug the uncle and forgive him and tell the story of what happened to her mother, you know, how she took the case because she felt like she knew that she knew that he didn't mean to do it forward motion. I'm sorry. I just have to interrupt you really quickly. When he asked her, how was she able to do that? And she just very clearly said, I know he didn't mean to do it, 
and she was already gone. There's nothing you can do. I was like, whoo. Like, I I don't know how many people can be that strong to just continue yeah. to move forward, like you said, friend. Like, most of us would have been holding grudges and been in our feelings and been like, no, he needs to go to jail. But for her to just have that clear, she had the name Queen for a reason. Because, whew. Not yeah. so you could do it. Yeah. So for, forward motion is like, it's the theme of that movie. And I think that is, I think it was so timely that it came out at the end of the year because, I mean, what better way to move into 2020 with that intention? Because it just was a riveting, beautiful film. And that final scene at the funeral was just completion. Um, I think for them to make it to the end, still moving forward, still trying to be together, and then them going into heaven together was beautiful. So that is my uh, 2029, 2029, my 2009 to 2019 uh, wrap up for cinema. And my final one is Netflix. Uh, Ooh, that's much, a good one. Much like my focus uh, with music, musically being streaming, again, Netflix switching uh, the streaming industry on its head. It took basically took Blockbuster and made it instant and made it consistent, or should I, or should I say, made it instant and made it constant. Um, and just f- from the way we consumed, how uh, not how, but Orange is the New Black. That being the that was like the first thing I think we binged as a community. Like we all were like, no, this show is on. We're gonna watch it now. Word of mouth was able to to make that show and make Netflix really pop. And then all of a sudden you have Netflix and chill culture. You have all these movies, all these TV shows, uh, all these just everything. Netflix it just blew up. Blew, it blew up. up. And, and now we have literally nine billion streaming services with Disney Plus and Hulu and CBS has a streaming. Like there's, you know, BT has their own BT Plus. Like there's so many streaming services now, but Netflix definitely um, took charge and, and, and popped the game off. So that is my number one uh, most prominent uh, moment of the decade for uh, for cinema and TV, Netflix. Uh, so next, we're going to move on into social issues. Um, so, you know, like we've been doing before, we're going to give you five of our most prominent uh, social issues for the decade. Uh, my number five is going to be the rise of black feminism and the Me Too movement, um, which was started by Tarana Burke, who is a black woman, regardless, you know, of whether you know that or not, uh, or regardless of whether the industry wants to give her her credit for that or not um i just think it was been amazing to watch all these people get held accountable for the uh massively awful ways they've been treating women in the industry for decades now um from r kelly being put under the jail to bill cosby (laughs) under the jail to uh harvey uh, epstein or i'm sorry uh weinstein um you know, having his company stripped from him and now being on trial and just everything, everyone is being, people are being held accountable. And it makes me very happy. It makes a lot of uh, people very uncomfortable. And the way that there's been such a focus on black feminism, um, I always say when it comes to black feminism, I I look at it from a two-sided, like there's two different sides of it. And this is not... a versus thing and it's also I don't mean to uh, t- 
take everything back to Rihanna and Beyonce. But I do think those two women are very polarizing, and I think they show kind of two different sides of black feminism. I think you have Beyonce, who is kind of like the voice of it, and then I think you have Rihanna, who is kind of the reality. Um, and those two things are needed. There's a yin and a yang there. I think Beyonce has been able to be the soundtrack, and she's been able to... Uh, to, to really stand on the movement and also lift up the movement. And then you have someone like Rihanna who isn't necessarily like, uh, she's not selling it to you. She's living it. She's being it. She's taking the, the, the knives in the back, if you will, so that these other people can live freely and live fearlessly, whether it's the free, the nipple movement, whether it's her, you know, her battle with Instagram in regard to, you know, showing her nipples or it's uh you know showing up to the cfda wearing you know you know swarovski swarovski crystals and nothing else and the way she's just been able to kind of allow women to be vulgar and to be sexual and to not be safe and not need a the 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 cloak or the protection of a husband or the protection of being seen as um innocent or being seen as uh like wholesome um and and then also the way she's been able to to show black women from a different side i think we we haven't seen rihanna was the first in my personal opinion the first non-american black woman to really come into the industry and not conform she didn't do things the way that people were used to even with the chris brown situation most people would have played the victim you know, because you are a victim. That's literally what she was. But she decided to stand up and say, you know, I might have been a victim in that situation, but I'm not a victim in life. I'm still strong. I'm still fearless. I'm still beautiful. I'm still bold. Uh, I still talk my shit. And y'all are still going to respect me. And you're not going to you're not going to pity me. And people were very uncomfortable with that, including the black community. I think mostly the black community were so uncomfortable with that. Uh, so much so to where they kind of coddled him instead of protecting her. And she still was able to rise through the ashes and be a phoenix in that. And, you know, like I said, Beyonce has been able to, to kind of be the sound. And you have even Solange now who has also kind of ushered in this artistic side of black feminism where she speaks about the issues in our culture in a very real way, in a very uh, honest way, a very uh, not pretty way, a very, you know, direct way. Um, so, yeah, black feminism and the Me Too movement is my number five. Cute. Um, prep for all. I Ooh, think yes. um, it's been revolutionary. I talked about last week the government, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the feds are trying to eradicate HIV by the year of 2030. So prep for all. If you don't know about prep, prep is a drug that is 99.9% .9 effective to eliminate your chance of contracting HIV. Um, it's a contraceptive essentially. Think about it as birth control for HIV. That's the simplest way I can put it. Um, there's a new drug on the market called Discovy. It's been winning a lot of groundbreaking awards because it um, <clears throat> it's it's a lot better with the kidney to continue to, to process it. So if you are on PrEP, on Truvada, you should talk to your provider about Discovy because um, it's supposed to have just long-term better effects with kidney function and, and kidney actually processing uh, the drug. So prep for all, I think it's amazing that we're talking about it. I think it's amazing that we see billboards, that we see, um, you know, just, just more 
conversation about people being on it, more straight people talking about it. We need it. Um, we have to continue to destigma it. It's not just a gay drug. It's not a drug just for men. It's a drug for anyone that wants to continue to, to protect himself against HIV. So prep for all is a great social moment. That's my number five. That's a great one. Uh, my number four is going to be Colin Kaepernick. Um, and yes. Then, uh, as well as the backlash from the NFL. I think this has been easily uh, the most polarizing thing to happen to sports in probably the past 30, 40 years. Um, I can't think of really anything prior to then, but I also don't pay attention to sports. So <laughs> that's part of, probably part of it. Um, but yeah, I think Colin unintentionally put his, his career and his uh job on the line and when it came down to it when his feet got put to the flame he didn't fold and he stood strong in what he you know what he was doing it for and it's crazy because he was doing it for one thing and they tried to turn it into and have tried and continued to turn it into something else um but regardless he hasn't folded i just i have so much respect for him um and yeah, that's just, I have so much respect for him. And, you know, the, the players that have stood beside him and stood with him and the artists, whether it's, you know, Rihanna saying, fuck the NFL, I'm not doing Super Bowl or it being Cardi B saying, you know, yeah, fuck the NFL. Y'all treating him wrong. So I'm not doing Super Bowl. Um, just. But she continues to do respect. Pepsi ads, which is the sponsor of the Super Bowl and the halftime show. So that, Cardi that, B. That, that, that ain't got nothing to do with the other. I'm still not going to perform at your Super Bowl show. Period. Period. Um, my number four is going to be trans rights. Um, we've seen a huge push over the last few years um, with just, just people trying to exist trans people, whether it's been um, trans people dying at alarming rates, whether it's been um, the bathroom law, um, in South Carolina with them trying to say oh, that you wow, have yeah. to go to the bathroom with um, the gender that you were assigned at birth instead of the gender that you identify with. Just all this bullshit to continue to make it <laughs> uncomfortable and make it intolerable for trans people to just live. You know, yeah. I think it's important to understand that trans people have always been here. They're not going anywhere. Um, actually, right now, there's a House bill um there's a house bill right now on the president's desk uh, that that needs to get passed to continue to ensure that LGBTQ people have proper protections, extending Title IX. Um, so trans rights, but let's continue to stand up for trans people. And I think a great way that you can advocate for, for trans people, if you do have the language and you are someone that's informed, maybe you tell tell a trans person's story to someone else that doesn't know that, that doesn't know it. So they can have a personal connection. Share Absolutely. the stories. Absolutely. And that's great because that actually coincides with my number three, which is the strides that queer, trans, and non-binary people have made. Uh, I think over the past 10 years, we've seen tremendous tremendous rise you know from shows like pose to um you know trans people being a part of beauty campaigns and being represented in culture and in media uh getting on tv shows laverne cox uh being able to 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 you know from orange is the new black branch off and do a multitude of things amaya scott being on um star um just 
so many strides have been we have trans models that are working uh lena uh, lena bloom we had it's just there's just so much the community has risen and there's still a, a miles to go of course there's still a lot of respect and um a lot of our rights that need to be wrongs that need to be written and uh, rights that need to be clarified for you know the, the community there's still a huge massive amount of uh murders for black trans women happening uh but i, I do think i want to focus a little bit on the positive and say we we've actually grown quite a bit in the community and i love to see uh us represented more and and us you know not we're not going anywhere we're not going we're not anywhere. going anywhere yeah yeah i like that um i had one that was me too um my stance on me too is that i think i'm excited to see now it's happening um more people in other areas of the world are coming forward with me too originally it started with you know actors and people coming out saying that hey this big ceo person you know attacked me but now right. we're starting to see it trickle down into other forms and facets of the of other industries even in yoga you know an industry yeah, that's supposed to be about there, wellness that, uh, yeah there's that documentary of, about um bikram big bikram yoga yeah yeah, about Bikram Yoga, yeah. So that's something that's been really, um, you know, it's been a hot topic. And so I think that it's important that as people continue to come forward and tell their stories that we believe them and that we, yes. you know, and that we give them the space to be authentic and to tell their story and that we support them and that we don't question them. We don't, you know, uh, berate them with, you know, with, you know, these, these requests, we just listen to them, we honor them, and then we try to help and assist. And I think that um, what we're seeing now is just more people come forward and more people just say, hey, we're not standing for this shit anymore. And, and you Absolutely. know, and, and, I, and I'm appreciative to see that shift in our culture, that more people are being mindful. You know, now our presidents, when they are, you know, touring and they're going to meet with people, they, you know, they ask. I remember Joe Biden was recently saying, you know, now... I, I asked my aides, you know, should I hug this person? Should I do this? Because I want to make sure that right. people aren't misinterpreting my actions. And I think, hey, listen, there needs to be a certain level of mindfulness, especially around white people, because they're so off, they're so often oblivious to their privileges. They're oblivious to how they navigate spaces. And so I think people need to be more aware of how they move around the earth because mindfulness never hurt anyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great one. Um, my number two is the Black Lives Matter movement, which we've touched on quite a bit. Um, I don't want to, you know, I don't feel the need to, to kind of say anything else. Just I want to. The reason why I wanted to bring it up again is just to, to clarify the fact that this was something that was started by uh, queer women. So once again, our community leading the pack, yeah. as always. Yeah. Le leading that. the pack but then people <laughs> trying to shun the fact push, and keep it hush hush that, mm -hmm. that a queer person started it yeah agreed um my number one is going to be trump's impeachment oh um, that that aligns perfectly with mine because my number one is trump becoming president so okay <laughs> awesome so this man so we're seeing a historic moment right now in our time where um the house representatives has for the third time impeached a president 
Yeah. And it is... There was a pep in my step today, in the words of Nancy Pelosi, because of the fact that our government finally held this man accountable. Mm. They finally said, you know what? Enough is enough. You think you are above the law. You think you are above moral efficacy. You think you are above. No, you're not. You're not not. above the Constitution. You're not. And and I think that it had to be done. It did. There was no way around it. And, you know, to your point, Vine, you were talking about Colin Kaepernick and how how they how they continue to turn his protest into something else. Oh, now it's a war on the flag. It's a war against our veterans. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all this bullshit, except stop what shooting us. Right. Stop shooting black people and stop being perverted and discriminatory. That's what it's about. Um, and I think that that same stance is taken when it comes to Republican and their defense against Donald Trump. They keep making about so many other things other than right what versus wrong. Yeah. Right versus wrong. Um, they are pervasive in their attempt to continue to undermine what it means to be truthful. They continue to, like, they, if you go watch. Fox News, and you look at the language that um, Republicans use, it's very simple and it's very loaded with a lot of sound bites that are used to attempt to discredit fact and not fiction. Um, And overall, I think that what's happening with Nancy Pelosi deciding to hold the articles of impeachment until she gets a clear picture of how Mitch McConnell is going to handle this case is going to handle this hearing is going to handle this court you know this huge impeachment hearing because she wants to ensure that they get witnesses she wants to ensure that they're able to call the president's staff to the to the carpet because we are trying to have a fair hearing here and it cannot be fair unless proper witnesses are called to the stand so um, for those who don't know, Nancy Pelosi is withholding the articles, which means that it will not get forwarded to the Senate until she says so. And there is nothing, there's nothing legally binding her to forward this. Um, and I think, and I, and I think the great thing about it is that Democrats are finally taking, they're finally getting some balls. And, and it's a ballsy move because of the fact that you're dealing with a ballsy president. You're dealing with a president right. that is unprecedented in their approach and and, and they're, they're off-cuff and they're ridiculous. So Nancy Pelosi has made an off-cuff move, but with any business, with any strategist, you have to pivot. And she's holding her cards close to her because at the end of the day, if Mitch McConnell and the Republicans don't give, don't give them a fair election with what they you know, with with you know, with being able not fair election, but a fair trial with being able to call witnesses and, and gather and, and and bring in intel, then it will have been done in vain. And I think this is something that needs to be done right. And it also needs to be done strategically from the from the Democrats because Donald Trump has not been playing fair. And that's obvious. And so kudos to Nancy Pelosi and her team, Maxine Waters and Adam Schiff and all the other, you know, rest in peace, Elijah Cummins. That's my number one. Absolutely. That was so well said, friend. Um, 
So let's move on into personal. We've been able to discuss a lot of things that don't necessarily that aren't necessarily us. Um, so now we get to you know give y'all some inside tea. Um, yeah. So my number five is definitely graduating high school and going to college and having that collegiate experience. Um, the good and the bad of it. <laughs> it was uh, it was so good to finally get the fuck out of uh, out of high school and go to college and have that experience and live you know, on campus and go through all the things I went through in college, the people that I met, the friends that I had. Um, unfortunately, I don't really keep in contact with pretty much anyone, <laughs> but <laughs> it, it is what it is. It was still a great experience. I'm, it's funny enough, uh, my high school reunion is coming up and I'm very excited for it, mostly because I haven't seen literally anyone outside of my core group of friends since maybe 2011. So um, it's going to be an experience, something that I can't wait for. So that's that's my number five. Um, my number five is going to be coming out. Um, I've told my coming out story here, but, you know, I was outed by a friend. Well, excuse me, I was outed by an old friend while I was in high school. Essentially, this person brought some IM messages to school that, you know, Ooh, had me in the I chat. <laughs> yeah, you know, some IM messages, and, and they tried to expose me. Essentially, I controlled the narrative. I went around and told people, close friends of mine, the, the tea before this person could. And at the end of the day, I think it was the, it was a defining moment of my character to own who I am, to not let anyone try to shame me or let or not let anyone try to make me feel bad for who I am. Um, and I think I, I learned I had to go through that lesson at a really young age, and I learned that then. So that's my number five. Listen, they say that you control the temperature of the tea when you're the one pouring it. Oh, oh, <laughs> uh, my number four uh, has been traveling. I've been able to do quite a bit of traveling this decade. Uh, 2019 is actually the first year that I have not traveled internationally all decade. Um, I've been able to go to Dubai, Milan, uh, London, Paris, Venice, Jamaica, of course, been home a few times. Uh, Toronto, just a bunch of awesome places. St. Croix, which is amazing, one of my favorite islands uh, that, I, that I've visited. Um, it's just traveling opens up your, your, your eyes to culture and to experiences, to food, to people, to lifestyle, to so many different things. And it's something that I definitely want to make. Uh, something I definitely want to do more of in the upcoming decade um, and something that I hope to be able to share with y'all as I do that in the upcoming decade. So traveling is one of the things that has impacted me greatly in this past decade. Mm. Um, yeah, traveling is also one for me. I went to Paris for the first time this year, my first international trip. So I definitely agree with that, like the benefits of traveling and how it really will give you a whole new range of experience. Like you, mm -hmm. you can be the richest bitch in Atlanta and, and go to every city in America and think you're the baddest. But until you leave and you go across that water, bitch, and you hear those folks speaking a different language and you see those different customs, you don't know anything. You're like, wow, these right. people are living a whole different way. So I a think traveling, yeah. a whole different way. I think travel is, it, it, it's, it's expanding for sure. Um, my number four is going to be becoming HIV positive. Um, it was something that was life-changing, obviously. Um, 
But on the other side of that, I think about how many people have called me or messaged me or texted me or wrote me and said, Malik, you know, thank you for sharing your story. Um, I am, I have comfort. I have a reference. I feel supported because of you. And that for me is like, you know, it support, it helps me continue to go on, you know, like people openly supporting me and people openly embracing my particular story um, makes me feel good and it makes me want to continue to to share it. And I share my story because I want to let people know that it's okay that on the other side of HIV, you can have a fabulous life. You can be just as awesome as I am. You can have just as many awesome experiences. You can have just as many fabulous friends as I have. You can be just as cool as I am or not cool or not cooler. I'm saying is that HIV can you can still live a full life regardless. And, um, you know, it feels good knowing that so many people have been impacted by my story positively. And, um, you know, it's, it's awesome. So yes. Number four. Absolutely. Um, my number three, um, is losing 80 pounds. Um, bam. Taking control of my weight is definitely something that, changed my life for the better it's still something that i'm mm-hmm. battling with you know i'm still trying to get these last little bit off you know um but it it, sh- it showed me not only how strong i am and not and not only um it showed me more than anything that like your life is in your hands i think especially as someone that had uh not that i, I didn't have life easy but i always say like growing up, things just kind of fell and always kind of fell in place. Even if things were going wrong or, you know, bad things were happening in, in life, things always worked themselves out. Like I mm-hmm. had excellent grades in school and I didn't have to try. I was like in honors classes and AP classes. And it was like, I'm not really doing anything extra. <laughs> like I just happened to like catch on. Getting into college was very easy. And it was like the, it was like the first time that there was something in life that I couldn't control. Um, Mm -hmm. so it felt really good to be able to finally get that under control and just make that change for myself and work really, really hard and, uh, lose 80 pounds. So that is my, my number three. Listen, friend, I watched you do that. I remember the story. Yes, you did, friend. Yes, you did. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I, I definitely understand that, you know, we both have, um, you know, I didn't lose 80 pounds. I lost 50 pounds. So I definitely yeah. understand how impactful this it is. Bitch, we done lost a whole weight. person. <laughs> Bitch, we both lost two motherfucking people, okay, collectively. Um, my number three is going to be moving out. You know, I never told the story. I'm, I'm going to tell it one day, but my whole moving out journey was traumatic it was interesting um but definitely moving out and finding a sense of like a sense of purpose outside of my mom's house has been really dynamic and really groundbreaking because it's only been a few years i won't say how many exactly but it's really been interesting um being outside of my mom's house and having to fend for myself in a way that like it's different when your name on the lease and you're paying the bills and you're okay. feeding yourself and you're you're making it happen and you don't have you don't have a safety net it's like wow bitch i'm really out here adulting um and <laughs> and, and and that happened for me all in this decade and so um, to really be doing that successfully and, and being able to maintain and, and, and sustain, it makes me feel really good. And I'm excited that um, I can do this. 
Absolutely. Um, funny enough, yours is moving out, and my number two is moving to New York. Mm. Um, this was something that I didn't plan. It, it's something that kind of fell in my lap. Um, I'd always want to live in New York. I uh, never thought I would, you know, because I was someone that was like vehemently against paying rent. I thought it was the stupidest concept in the world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and I also just thought living in New York as much because I had visited a few times prior to moving here and the city has always felt magical, but I was always a little afraid of it. Um, especially because it was my first time like moving out of my, like my parents' house. It wasn't my first time living by myself, ironically, because I lived by myself before, but my mom was in a different country and yeah, but yeah. it was my first time, um, living by my, like moving out of my mom's house and not, you know, being under, uh, any like ties to my mother. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a life changing experience, and it's been something that I don't regret at all. Awesome. Um, my number two is gonna be just the build the building of my career. Um, I graduated from high school, went to college, and then I was like, "Pay this shit." Um, <laughs> you know, it just didn't work out the way that I thought that it was, it was going to work out. And and I'm fine with that, you know? Um, but I was able to pivot my business in, in a different direction. I was able to um, find a lane for myself um, within business development and through um, vendor management. And so working for Ralph Lauren and then other brands and just continue, continuing to grow um on that side and then finding my way into business to business sales. And so then, and then going and working for, for large companies and then, and then getting into management and then becoming a sales manager and then becoming, you know, a key account manager. And so just really growing my career in in an upward way really quickly and being able to just have a life that um, I'm really proud of, despite my circumstance, you know, really being able to curate something that was only through God's grace, but through my tenacity. Um, so I think um, my career is my number two. Absolutely. Um, my number one is going to be coming out to my family. Um, being Caribbean, Jamaican specifically, and growing up with you know parents, my parents are in their 50s and their 60s, um, they grew up in a completely different generation. And, um, you know, anyone that knows anything about the Caribbean knows that the LGBT community isn't necessarily the most embraced (laughs) or welcomed or wasn't, I should say, the most embraced or welcomed uh, people in, especially in the the early thousands. Um, There were so many songs, so many just and there's still so so much of it. There's a lot of ignorance, a lot of um, negative stereotypes still attached to the community. so coming out to them was something that I feared. It was something that I uh, honestly didn't plan on either. It was something that I, uh, it kind of just bubbled and bubbled and built. And it was something that I had to do. Um, but I'm glad that I did it. Uh, coming out was definitely something that was tiered. I came out to my brother and my cousin, my, my favorite cousin first um, when I was 18. 
Um, and then I came out to my parents when I was 25. So there's a long gap <laughs> between uh, the first two and then my parents. And now, like, a lot of my cousins and, you know, other people know. Um, but it's been a freeing experience. I, I I genuinely enjoy being around my family a lot more now. I feel more comfortable. I feel um, more myself. Like, I'm, I feel more, you know, free. Um, and, th- and that's mostly because they accepted it and they, they told me that they still love me and that, you know, that my sexual orientation had no, uh, no, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a blemish. It wasn't anything to be ashamed of and that, you know, I'm still their son and they love me. So that's definitely without question, the most impactful thing, uh, that has happened to me this decade. Cause it was something that I've feared since I was literally like seven. So that's my number one. Numero uno. Um, my number one moment was becoming a yoga teacher. Um, it's just mm. changed my life. If you just told me, I got to watch you do that. <laughs> what'd you say? And I said, and I got got to watch you do that. Yeah, and yeah, and and, and you got to watch me become a yoga teacher, and it's just beautiful and i think that um you know the highlight of that is just becoming clear and and being able to say hey i'm going to do this full time i'm you know this is something that i want to share with people through that i've been able to share the gift of yoga with over 2000 people over the summer at the home depot backyard um I've been able to just do some just some really awesome things early on as a new yoga teacher. Some things that people that have been teaching 10 years have never had the opportunity to do. So I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I haven't been afraid and I've had the nerve to ask for opportunities. I've had the nerve to put myself in, in, in positions where people can say, hey, do you want to do this? Or, hey, can you do this? Or whatever. So um, that's my number one. Brilliant. And that is it for our Growing Up Gay segment this week, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'm going to be posting this on the Twitter. Um, so w- I hope you all please share your top five, top three, top two even uh, moments for these different areas, if you will. Uh, but with that being said, we're going to take a quick little break and we'll be right back with y'all. Hey, you guys, it's Malik. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you haven't, be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter is G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-G-A-Y underscore. And our Instagram is G-R-O-W-N-U-P-G-A-Y. Be sure to tell a friend about what we're doing. Continue to share the show. And we appreciate you and we love you. Now let's get back into the episode. All right, so we are back with On the Timeline. Yes, uh, we're back, your, bitch. <laughs> if this is your first time listening to the show, uh, the On the Timeline segment is where we discuss things that are hot topics on social media, um, but not necessarily things that we want to dedicate like a whole segment to. Uh, so we just have two for this week. Uh, number one, ASAP Rocky's sex tape. Um out of nowhere, I don't really know where this came from. Like, it's it randomly uploaded on Pornhub. Uh, there's, it's not really a full sex tape. It's just ASAP Rocky and some young lady. He's stroking her. 
um, lacklusterly, I should say. Um, his performance isn't necessarily something to you know endear or admire. Um, it's been it's been it since taken down. Yeah, it is him. Um, his tattoo was showing his hand. ASAP has very nice hands. It's something that I've always admired about him. Uh, he takes very good care of them. Um, but it was clearly him. Uh, he was wearing a condom, so I'll give him kudos for that. Uh, because, as you know, most of these rappers just be out here, child. They just be, they just be fucking anybody. Um, uh, but, yeah, it wasn't necessarily anything to run home and tell, you know, anyone about. It wasn't very impressive. Not that he lacked size or anything. It seemed like it was a good size. It just... Um, maybe he was tired. <laughs> maybe he just, I don't know. All I'll say is this. Uh, he needs to step his stroke game up. Damn. Step it up, sis. Not the stroke was way. His stroke was giving very much stiff. It was giving very much uh, like four out of ten. Like, Damn. not stiff white boy, but definitely stiff white boy's cousin. Like, not jackrabbit, but like bunny rabbit. I don't know. <laughs> like, it wasn't, <laughs> it just wasn't, it wasn't impressive. Um, he later took to Twitter and um, confirmed that it was him. Uh, but he tried to cape for the stroke game and, you know, he did his usual or the typical, I should say, there's a ton, there's, you know, there's a ton of satisfied bitches, whatever, uh, show up, put up or shut up and you already put up. So you should just shut up. Okay. (laughs) Um, the last thing that we want to touch on is the Carol Sanchez hoax. I honestly cannot believe this. If you don't know what the Carol Sanchez hoax is, uh, the 16-year-old Honduran, uh, Afro-Hondorian, I'm going to call her that, uh, young lady in the Bronx. It's funny, where she got kidnapped from is like not too far from where uh, my gym is. So when this Amber Alert went out, it freaked, it freaked me out because I was like, yo, that is like not far from me. Like I've literally jogged past that area. Uh, and then when the tape came uh like started hit the web to watch it happen was chilling although i have to say (laughs) it's not funny but when i was watching the tape i was like are they in a honda accord how you kidnap somebody in a honda accord like and then like an old school honda accord not like a 2010 like not like a 2018 but like they were giving 1998 honda accord i could be wrong those are kind of small so for a lot of y'all to jump out of a car and then like try to kidnap usually when you try to kidnap somebody it's like a van yeah or something. So I was like, because, you know, trying to squeeze somebody into a Honda. Anyway, when I, all I'm saying is when I first saw the video, I was like, hmm, kidnapping somebody in a Honda Accord. That's strange. But because, um, unfortunately, there have been so many reports of specifically black girls going missing and being kidnapped. Um, it was chilling to, to kind yeah. of watch it happen. And it was honestly... I, like I as, as being someone that lives in New York and has people that you know work works with people that live in the Bronx and I don't live too far from the Bronx, it was crazy because everyone was talking about it, like my coworkers, people in the the stores. There were pictures of her up. Like the community was really like, nah, y'all got us fucked up. Like where's Carol? Like bring her home. So for the news to come out that she was safe it was like yay but it was kind of weird right um how everything happened how she the release at least and then of course it came out that it was a hoax 
and uh, that apparently her parents were very, 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 very strict. And her 23-year-old boyfriend, mind you, she's 16. Damn. Her 23-year-old boyfriend and her planned this. Again, she's 16. So, so he needs to go to jail. jail. He needs to go to jail. Apparently, the, the New York isn't pressing any charges um, against Carol. You know, uh, for for being in her Jesse Smollett bag. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just think it was disgusting of her to do. Um, I, I did see a lot of people saying, you know, what we're not gonna do is hold her to the fire. You know, white men are allowed to make mistakes and blah de blah de blah de blah. And you know, she's a young girl and she lied. No, 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 no. You don't have to hold her to the fire. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm throwing at least one amber at her. Like she's getting hit with a coal or two because this was meticulous. This was planned and it came from a very um, fucked up place because there's clearly a, a rise in, in the kidnapping and the, uh, the abducting of young black girls. So for her to play on that narrative, you want to run away from your mother. You want to not be at home with your mother. Just tell her you're not coming home. Tell her you at your man's house and that's that. Um, <laughs> but don't that, try to that will shake her like, up, right? Like, but don't don't try to like fuck us over, fuck the community over, fuck you know the the, the country over. Um, but all because you're trying to like stay at your your you know your statutory rape ass man's house, like nah, sis. Mm. nah, nah. We're gonna hold her accountable for that one. We're we're gonna that, hold her accountable. That's real. So that is it for this week's Growing Up Gay, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you all have enjoyed it. Um, of course, we are wishing you all a wonderful uh, new year. Uh, we hope that you all take us with you into the new year. You can leave the raggedy niggas behind, but bring Growing Up okay. Gay with you. Take us. Uh, no, <laughs> no niece left behind. <laughs> Uh, with that being said, please remember you can follow the show on Instagram uh, at Grown Up Gay, G R O W N Up Gay, uh, on Twitter at Grown Up Gay underscore, um, and you can follow myself personally on Instagram at Vonagram or on Twitter at underscore Vaughn and Malik. They can follow you where? At Malik Khalid Yoga. That's M A L I K K H A L I D Yoga at Instagram and on Twitter. That's right. And uh, if you, there's any questions you have for us, uh, if you want to partake in our spill it segment, something we haven't been able to do because that requires you all to send us questions or ask for advice, you can do so by emailing us at Vaughn at GrownUpGay.com, Malik at GrownUpGay.com, or GrownUpGay at gmail.com. So with that being said, we hope you all have a wonderful day, night, weekend, month, year, and we'll catch y'all next time. Peace. Holla.